So folks, I just cannot stop talking about Dion or thinking about Dion. He had a huge day yesterday. Really appreciate what he was up to. He's he's gonna he is gonna have a future in this game. That is right. I am talking about the five catches on five targets, 83 yards and a touchdown, 5.7 EPA added. That's Dion Burks of your Purdue Boilermakers, a redshirt sophomore, a selling and sales management major from Belleville, Michigan. I have a question about this because I saw that you were doing this bit and I'm here for it, but how was he not stopped by the Illinois Fighting Illini defense? He clearly was one of the big targets and just caught everything they threw at him. Walk me through that, Jeff. One, he is just a very good player. And two, I think Illinois has lost a little bit in terms of talent on the defense from last year, in addition to um, the coordinator change and a lot of other coaches following um, Ryan Walters to Purdue. So the Illinois defense is a little bit of a shell of itself, um, as well as I think there was a little bit of just luck and skill on quite a bit of those passes from Hudson card. A lot of those were scary to see in real time, <laughs> but just kind of worked out. And I am going to take this uh, Purdue win while I can, because I don't know how many of them we'll get this year, but we've got at least two now. That's against orange teams, which I also love the color <clears throat> orange. So it's, it's some conflicted feelings here. That's you heard it here first. The biggest Dion in golden black is Dion Burks. You know, it's funny you say that, Josiah. I want to ask this question. Common thing we do is we give nicknames to people that we really like or we want to have things that we love. Are we ready to anoint Dion Burks as Dion Prime Burks? I mean, he's he's or do we he's have to give him a different prime nickname? target? He can win in prime time. I mean, it's yeah. a great nickname. Nobody, what number nobody does he wear? has ever Jeff, been called quickly, that. What number does I think it's a great nickname. You're right. I don't think that we've <laughs> ever had anyone with the name Dion Prime anything. And so I think we should just go it's ahead prime and time, baby. do it. Uh, we'll see if we can tweet at him. De- Dion what Burks number is uh, number four. Ah, <laughs> oh, we missed it. Missed an opportunity there. We could have called him prime number. It would have been <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah, unfortunately, he's the prime is not a prime number. <laughs> oh, we tried, guys. But but Dion Burks had a great game. I Look, Purdue, I'm excited for you guys. I know this year is going a little hard, but I think if you give this guy some time, which – do tends to they're going to be looking at some upside here and i think we might have to get into that do you think he can break 100 yards in his next game jeff so our next opponent let me just confirm because i am very bad at remembering anything um but our next opponent in terms of football is going to be iowa I do not entirely four in one Iowa. Yes, that is at in Iowa City. Um, Iowa's defense is still legit. Mm-hmm. Um, all jokes and really unfortunate injuries on the offensive side for Iowa. Um, aside, Iowa's defense is still legit. So I wouldn't put any Purdue receiver to have a really big game. Um, that one feels like a game where we might just have a little bit more offense and that could do it, but it's also not going to be high scoring um, because their defense is legit. And I think our 
defensive line has shown that it can defend in the run game somewhat decently. Um, so we will see on that, but uh, I don't think that his big breakout game will be uh, against Iowa. It'll probably come uh, maybe later in the season. We do have uh, Nebraska on the road. We've got Northwestern on the road. We've got Indiana at home. Uh, so I want to read this last thing to you. Offensively, Purdue has run 287 plays over the course of their, uh, uh, let me see their record here, over their five games that they've played, and they have a total EPA across all five games of minus 1.16. Puts them about 81st in the uh, FBS. They're going against Iowa. I have it up on the screen. I'm going to read you a number. (laughs) Folks, I'm going to read you a number. Iowa has played five games, is four and one, and has 214 offensive plays, and has a total EPA of minus 33.25, which puts them at 121st in FBS. It is really hard. You have to be trying to have a success rate of 33.2%, which puts them at 130th. And so by this metric, they they have on one-third of their plays, had a positive EPA. This is the University of Iowa, the Hawkeye football program. I don't know what to make of this. Numbers don't lie. Ball never lies. And yet they're 4-1. Our corn they and pork tenderloin are better. Okay. I'm ready. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. I'm... Okay, let's do this. <laughs> I don't... I have tried to stay out of... <laughs> As a non-ag school grad of two universities that are not ag schools, I have never one wanted to wade into the corn versus wheat debate. But I'll do this because I'm forced to. Ag school grad Jeff, pork and corn in Indiana, are they better than pork and corn in Iowa? Yes or no? I I am very biased on this. We have some really great pork products um indiana kitchen is an official sponsor of purdue football and they also have some of the best bacon i've ever had and they are widely stocked in all the wonderful uh grocery stores in the state of indiana the interesting thing with corn is it's really less where it's from and more just how fresh you're getting it so indiana if you are in indiana has incredible corn but typically even With some of the genetic advances and advances in hybrid breeding of corn, you still have somewhat of a shelf life of corn that you have to have transporting and fresher. It's always better. So even if you're moving corn across state lines, you're not necessarily getting as good as what it's going to be locally. So when I lived in New Jersey, some of the best corn I tasted was corn from New Jersey in New Jersey because it's getting to you fresh. It's, you know, if I went and visited um, my grandma or uncle that did live in Indiana, the Indiana corn is going to be incredible. And Indiana does have some incredible corn if you can get it fresh. It's it absolutely is some of the best corn I've ever tasted. Um, But it's really what is fresh is always going to be the best corn and, you know, support your local farmers as well. Josiah, you're a dumb school grad here. I have a question because I... In the corn mm-hmm. versus wheat debate, Oklahoma State is which? Because that's where you're currently employed, and so that's where I want to. That's where I want to stay. We can talk about Mississippi I, State if you want to, but 
Let's do Oklahoma State for right now. I, you know, I think relatively equal. If I, if I have to pick an ag product, it's beef. It's neither of those. Yes, you do. Um, if okay. you're going to associate OSU okay. with an ag product, I'm pretty sure it's going to be beef. They, I, I think our hospitality school tried to invent a new cut of beef, even, um, from a particular region. And I was like, I don't know if you can really even do that anymore, but sure, why not? Um, and so, yeah, like corn versus wheat, that's fine. I mean, if I have to pick one personally, my dad did his dissertation on wheat. Uh, he is a PhD in ag. And so I'm going to go with wheat over corn, but I, de- I do dearly love corn. Okay. As a person who was born in Minnesota. So, you know, and my dad raised pigs, his, his, his dad raised pigs, so... You know, I to answer your question, Blue, the corn and the pork in Indiana is better. <laughs> so the Iowa folks are going to be coming after us. Hawkeye State, I am not going to take a side on this. I didn't go to an ag school. I have no great thoughts on this. Uh, so we're going to be doing a commodities talk in our cold open <laughs> going forward, apparently. And that's how we're going to determine who's going to win football games is who grows better or more of the superior quality of commodities. Hmm. Riveting stuff. Yeah. Go. We're going to find out. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, listen, I've been working on this for weeks <laughs> and I now have no, I know exactly how this I'll is. I'll say Southeastern Virginia does have a uh, regionally designated um, type of ham. So sure does. So you've got that in your court. And, and I want to be clear about this. Former, President George Washington used to go there to oh my his gosh. Okay. Okay. Yes. So can't be President uh, yeah, George unfortunately. Washington. I don't know if you ever went to Indiana. <laughs> I, so. He did that that's a technicality. Indiana didn't exist yet. It didn't, and neither did Iowa. So <laughs> sorry folks. I guess I know where I'm gonna go. Believe so it was late Iowa. Iowa. It was part of France. It was the French, always the French. And I think that's going to be our cold open. And so, welcome, welcome, welcome to the Week 5 Recap of Feed Your Mascot. My name is Blue, and I'm joined with the two hosts, Jeff, who is wearing Get Smoked, which I believe is a home field shirt or not. I'm it not is sure. not what is home it? field. It's, um, I will link to where it was. I think it was homage. It is a, a collaboration between Guy Fieri um, and the NFL. Oh. So, every NFL team, they're doing, they've got a t-shirt oh, with a... Uh, locally or team related food so we got the half smokes in uh dc i will say this i have had a half smoke before i had multiple half smokes when i went to a nats game as as someone who as you heard in the cold open loves a pork product 
I love uh, love love it when they take the meat, take the casing, stuff the meat in it, and then put it on a grill. It's still my favorite thing that you can get. Josiah, a couple things. Lawn update. Have you mowed your final mow? Has your rake been serviced? And what what what, what polo do you have on today? Yeah, so I'm wearing just a very plain black polo. Uh, nothing that interesting today. I did buy a new OSU one to this week though, and it's got flowers and stuff on it, which is fantastic. Um, but, but no, the lawn's good. I, I let the grass do its last bit of growing. So this week will be the final mow of the season. Uh, the rake will, it will be ready, ready to go. The biggest winner so far in this, in this is the wildlife in my yard, the squirrels hanging out in the bird bath. That's now dry and empty. They just, they'll just lay down there and chill because it's 90 degrees out still. <laughs> and they're, but they're, you know, there's a ton of nuts on the ground. We have acorns aplenty. They're coming in. They're having a great time. And I love that for them. Uh, it's always good to make sure you care for your local <laughs> fauna, everybody. So week five has come and gone. It is now the day after week five. And we're going to talk about some football games. I'm going to talk about the Fish Bowl Classic, which is annually or used to be, held between Norfolk State and North Carolina Agricultural and Technical State University. We're going to talk about Alabama and Mississippi State. I watched this game, and so did mm-hmm. our Mississippi State alumni. And we're going to talk about Catholics versus Methodists. Another holy war is brewing in North Carolina. And Notre Dame came to town, and they didn't look as good as they should have. Finally, we're going to stop at Fighting Illini at the Purdue Boilermakers. And then a grab bag. Uh, then we're going to talk about some some dessert here. So we've got some undefeated G5s we're keeping an eye on. So I'm going to get us started this week. We're going to talk about the Fish Bowl Classic. The Fish Bowl Classic is one of the oldest HBCU Classic games. It has traditionally featured Norfolk State against a North Carolina HBCU, and that has usually fallen on North Carolina A&T. Really, it's a big celebration, big fish fries all over the city. It's a parade. Everyone loves this game because... It's something unique to the area. This year, we're seeing our old rivals. North Carolina A&T came to town. They're, they haven't been in a long time. 2019 was the last game. And they're back. And so it was a barn burner of a game. Norfolk State allowed A&T to score a touchdown on their first possession. Their freshman quarterback ran it in for a score. This was a 100-meter dash uh, track star, and he showed every bit of it. And then after that, he showed he was a true freshman because on his next play of the game, he dropped the ball in the end zone and went for a safety. So the game went back and forth in that nature. Norfolk State missed a field goal in the first half, and that was the difference in the game. Uh, it went up until the end of the game. Norfolk State went for two after they scored the final touchdown to go up to score to tie the game 28-28. Didn't get the two. That three points mattered, and they lost 26-28. But the Norfolk State Spartan defense could not stop the Aggies. They, they gave up a lot of yards, gave up four touchdowns, and then – when they were on offense, they could not pass the ball successfully. Uh, there were some, what I could tell, just some underthrows, some wide throws. Wide receivers caught everything they could, but there was a missed DPI where the defender pulled the dreads of one of the North Carolina, excuse me, North Carolina A&T pulled the dreads of one of Norfolk State's guys, and it just didn't count. Didn't count. Pulled his jersey and his dreads. So the refs let that one go, apparently. But it was a great game. It was it was great to see North Carolina A&T. My brother is a North Carolina A&T alumni, so he was at work and could not go to this game, even though I have season tickets. Uh, so good game, Aggies. And we missed out on it. If you didn't see it, you missed out on a good one. Uh, so behold, we'll be back next week, and I can't wait for it. Uh, 
any thoughts? Did Jeff, you catch any of this game? I know you saw when I posted the safety. Josiah, any anything at all on this one? I was not able to to catch any of it. Uh, I say I know I know you gave in the description the uh, parade and fresh fish fry, so it just sounds like a good time. I might have to uh, yeah. check it out at some future point. Yeah. So what they would do when I was an undergrad is the concession stands would be nothing but oh. fish, and so they would bring in if you wanted whiting flounder catfish didn't matter if you wanted it they had every type of fish and they would fry it and that that would be the concessions and they would always run out by second quarter um so it was a beautiful game everyone loved it they they this is popular in the area i know this may not be popular nationwide but they love old bay and (laughs) and so they would throw old bay on your fish and it would just be fish and fries that was the whole game and uh they would always run out by halftime, and then you would have your fish so that you could watch the bands perform, which was always the Spartan Legion and then the, the Blue and Gold Marching Machine from North Carolina A&T. And they, they have a history. These two bands have a history. I've played it for Jeff and Josiah, uh, one of my favorites in 2019, and uh, they both marched in. And it, it, it's a big rivalry. It's, it's one of the rivalries that it's not going to have a Wikipedia page because the only people that care about it goes to those two uh, uh goes to those institutions and so i love it so much it's like washington state and oregon state that's a rivalry but it doesn't have a wikipedia page and the same is true with North, norfolk state and north carolina ain't we love the aggies the aggies love the spartans and we go from there um i do want to move to another rivalry that no one talks about i think it's i-80 is that right josiah uh the war on i-80 or what is it actually called I, we'll look it up but mm-hmm. Klinga and alabama have been playing a long time and they played last night Josiah, walk me through what you saw in this game, because I saw it too, and I got some yeah, questions. Yeah, um, well, the thing that I, I don't I don't think that I-80 runs through Mississippi, which is why I was like, I'm not sure if that's it. Oh, yeah, that's more of a, it, it's another highway. We don't have a name for it. That's how bad it's it's been over the years. Um, the Wikipedia <laughs> says, and Josiah may be correcting the uh Wikipedia in a moment, but it is either the 90 mile drive or battle for Highway 82. Ah, 82. That's it. I've never heard it called that. I lived in the Stillwater, Starkville area for like 15, 16 years, whatever it was. I don't even remember anymore. Nobody actually uses that name as far as I know. It was it was close until it wasn't, um, you know, which is always the way games start. But this one towards the end of the half looked like, oh, we might be able to make this interesting for longer. It was 17-10, and then Alabama proceeded to score two touchdowns within the last minute or so of the half, and it was kind of all downhill from there. Um, it, it, it It's sort of an, evi- an inevitability. Like, it, it's not that I don't think we could beat Bama. Like, that would be, that'd be cool. But, you know, and this year's Bama team feels the most gettable in recent years. But, you know, it's still, it's still kind of rough. It's still... You know, it it went about how you'd expect it to go, you know, 40 to 17. Uh, I didn't expect Will Rogers to throw three interceptions. And I know he can throw interceptions, but, you know, he's he's usually a li- he's a little bit more reliable than that, at least most of the time, especially after last week against South Carolina. Looked like things might be a little bit better. Um, but, you know, it's a transition year. And you can kind of see in that, you know, the three interceptions, why, you know, a lot of Arnett's catching a lot of heat right now for not sticking with the air raid with his current personnel. And there's probably some value and truth to that. But I also think like it's a transition year, man. Like it's, this is an old school transition year. This isn't a, like, this isn't a, this isn't a Lincoln Riley showing up and stealing all of his old players 
uh, and like, uh, you know, hyping up his team and, and going on the radio and talking some crap. And, you know, you know, Dion wasn't the first to do that and he won't be the last. Um, so, you know, like we're not doing that at Mississippi State. We don't have the we don't have the, uh, the ability fashion transition year. Um, and it's, it's a little rough around the edges. But then I look at like the losses that we've got, how we've lost them. I don't see how this would have gone any differently. Like LSU, Bama were going to stop us, and then South Carolina was a close loss. And yeah, we are either three and two or two and three this year. And at this point, as long as we make a bowl game, I'll be happy. Um, but yeah, we gifted them three interceptions, and that's one of them in their own red zone. So you know, he threw an interception when we were closer to Alabama's end zone, and uh, you know, it's easy to score once you do that. Other, otherwise, Bama did not look. Looked a little shaky. So I, Alabama, mm-hmm. they look. They had a lot of false starts. They played sloppily on offense and defense. They look like 2014 Florida State to me, where they're playing these games sloppily and then they pull it out somehow. And I. Maybe I'm missing it. Maybe they're still just good old Alabama, and we just—I've always missed, thought they were. But this doesn't look like a traditional Nick Saban team. Jeff, you had a thought on that? Yeah, you know, it, it's a kind of the same place. Um, and I mean, right now they've really only had somebody that has what it takes to stand up to them long term in Texas. But you're going to have more teams that you have those liabilities against they're going to potentially be able to take advantage mm-hmm. of those down the schedule. So I think the joke that's been going around the internet is <laughs> defense, good citrus bowl. And that feels, it definitely feels a team that is good enough to beat the teams. It should on the schedule, but a lot of the coin flips, it's just hoping the coin flips land. And like you, you can get to the playoff that way if you're lucky. And if the refs are on your Um, side. But. (laughs) That doesn't hurt. That doesn't hurt. But at the same time, Mm. I wouldn't count on it. (laughs) I I agree. I mean, look, Alabama, I really think they need to tighten up. They showed that they need to tighten up in the Texas game. Clearly, they're not going to get away with it this season. Yeah. Normally, they would, and this year, they're not. And I, yeah, we'll see what happens as season go on. Josiah, I mean, I'll give you, you the know, last it's, word. It's a transition. What do you think Klinger needs time? to do going I think the thing, so as a contrast of schedules, I mean, Alabama has played Texas, which is probably the highest ranked team on their schedule this year. We didn't know if that would be the case, but definitely seems like Texas is it this year. Um, but they they have not they've played a lot of their easier teams so far when Mississippi State has now has played LSU and Alabama the, the sort of you you write them in as a loss that's an automatic but from here on out Mississippi State's got a much clearer path they get to play Western Michigan Arkansas <laughs> Auburn <laughs> Southern Miss the Egg Bowl we're going to win because we're having the worst year and that's how it always seems to work out is I mean, not always, but there's this weird thing where, like, who has the most to lose in the Egg Bowl? That's the team that loses. Um, and so, you know, I have high hopes for that game. But Bama, on the other hand, still has to play LSU, still has to play Kentucky, still has to play Tennessee, which, you know, they may, Tennessee's not the Tennessee oh last year. But still, like, when you want to talk about a team, if Alabama's got a hapless offense, 
And if Tennessee can continue to break through on deep uh, with their offense, like, you know, they won last year when Alabama was better. So who knows? But yeah, so I'm for, for MSU. I think it's just kind of keep moving forward. Don't get bogged down um, and just find a way to win. You know, if that means letting Rogers rip it and throw, you know, 50 times, whatever. And if that means slowing the game down and just running people over, do that. And then next year we can maybe be a little more coherent, um, <laughs> but just, just win baby. That's really all it is. Just, just move the ball. Question. Do you think that the Mississippi state Kentucky rivalry is a real rivalry? It's, it's as real as that sort of game can be because we played each okay. other so much. Like it's, I would say it's a rivalry, but not a named one. If that distinction makes sense, sort of like I just talked about one earlier. Yeah, like <laughs> it doesn't have a name, but I love playing them, and they beat they they've nearly beaten us a lot when we were really good, and we've nearly you know they they we're a lot more on equal footing than I think people realize. Um, but yeah, like I I love playing them. Can you know it's 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 a it's a cool thing. Um, I love playing them in football. Hate playing them in basketball. And it's 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 a fun. I I I would consider it a rivalry in that sense, and that like this is a team that I hope we continue to play no matter what. Sounds good. We're gonna move on. We all watched this game. I think. <laughs> oh, go ahead, Jeff. No. Uh, all right. All right. We're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about Notre Dame at Duke Catholics versus Methodists, or as Josiah has put it, liturgy versus methodology. Jeff, you've got a lot of notes here, and you also posted the picture of the uh, EPA stuff before I got a chance to. Walk us through what you saw in this game and help us understand how we wound up where we wound up at the end of it. So Notre Dame, in spite of actually struggling success rate-wise, they were they only had a 32% success rate. Uh, Duke had a 39%, um, but Notre Dame had more EPA per play, 0.09 versus negative 0.03. Um Notre Dame felt like they controlled a lot of the game early. And part of that is they were very effective running the ball. Um, they were 0.3 EPA. Um, Rush was about 89th percentile. Um, and Duke really wasn't um, nearly as effective. It was kind of a defensive slog of throughout the game. Um, but Notre Dame felt like they were in control for the vast majority of the game but weren't able to really put points on the board because they kept putting themselves in position um, with penalties. So they had 12 penalties for 70 yards. That works out to about negative uh, 7.3 uh, SP points added. So they they left, you know, equivalent of a field goal. And it could have been, honestly, if at times felt like more really stalled out drives from penalties. They, they should have had much more control of the game. Duke woke up in the second half. All of their scoring came in the second half. They were leading really until the last, you know, closing seconds of the game. Um, they actually were up 14 uh, to 13 for, for a moment. So mm. Notre Dame then kind of got a little bit of help on that last drive from some penalties, but got themselves in good position so it really was a Notre Dame did just about enough to win but kept shooting themselves in the foot to not do more and Duke really put up a fight I mean 
they are a good team. They, for a also a place that doesn't get up for football, were up for I think they're in for another good season. They played pretty well. It just Notre Dame had a little bit more to win what was kind of a scrappy game. I mean, it felt like an Iowa Minnesota game, but with yeah a little bit uh, warmer weather. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you're right. Look, Duke played a great game. I, I can't take anything from Duke. They they played great defense all game, even into the final drive that Notre Dame went to take the lead on that touchdown. They were stopping Notre Dame until that penalty, which we can argue about whether or not it was a close call, but it, they held until they broke. And that breaking was a running back who made a great play in the hole and then just bolted for the end zone when he got to green. Notre Dame's defense is criminal. I, I just, Al Golden is not, I really think he needs to be brought up on crimes against football on multiple times in that game. Notre Dame was out of position, didn't tackle well or do what they were supposed to. I think they allowed a long run for a touchdown at one point. They they would not play consistent offensive, excuse me, consistent coverage that just kept getting eaten alive by Duke. One thing of note, Duke's quarterback was injured at the end of the game trying to make a play. Um, yeah. We are sending hope to him that he's not it's not a major injury and that he can come back soon. Uh, he did walk off on his own, which was a he was aided in leaving the field, but he 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 was moving on his own. He wasn't taken immediately in a cast. So um, but that offensive line for the fighting Irish, that middle of the offensive line, the center and then the two guard positions, they were constantly allowing pressure up the middle, into the face of uh, the quarterback for Notre Dame, uh, Hartman. There's a lot that needs to be fixed with the Fighting Irish. If they they consider themselves the the peak of FBS football, which they probably should at 4-1, 5-1, they got a lot to work on. And I'm wondering if those two bad defensive plays against Ohio State are more indicative than they are uh, standouts and exceptions. Yeah, I mean, Notre Dame's easily the second best team in the ACC, and you can really see that in the way that they handled uh, <laughs> way that they handled Duke. But I mean, it, it it's you know, it was it, it it's interesting that um, that they're they're kind of you know, we could still have a ten and two Duke. Or even if they manage to pull off the upset in eleven and one Florida State, and so this is one of those games where like it was interesting to watch. I'm curious to, s- I feel like I'll understand better what happened as the season goes on because there are some games where you watch and you're like, okay, I know exactly what this means for both these teams, blah blah blah. But this is one where like I need to see where these teams go from here on to feel for sure what this game means because. You know, if Notre Dame is more suspect than we think and they just, you know, caught Duke at the right time in the right way. Um, or if Duke is way better than we think, you know, then this game even made them look, you know, I, I don't know. It, it might be even a bit of both. Um, but I, I'm interested to see because, you know, Duke, the only team ranked higher than them, they play from this point forward. Well, I guess there's there's two, but North, North Carolina barely is Florida State. and you know, if they could beat everyone but Florida State, you know, that's ten and two. That could be a really good Duke season. If they can knock off Florida State, I mean, 
you know, that's a that's a team that could make a playoff if they win the conference championship. It's 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 crazy to say, but like, you know, this is still we'll see what this I guess for me, I, I I'm still kind of like what did, what did this game mean to these teams long term? And that's what's sort of sticking with me the most. Yeah, I mean, I will say what it what it seems to mean is people are taking Duke football more seriously, which is good. Mm. Like it's it's mm-hmm. a place that I don't think the football discussion around it ever takes them seriously like even watching game day a little bit they were they were leaning into talking about oh they're a basket great basketball school that's having success um on football like it's a temporary thing and i think elko is putting them in good position for having long-term success which is something that duke football doesn't always have um the atmosphere was great uh they were highlighting some things that Sound like there are things that happen in basketball, and because I'm not a huge basketball person, I don't see all the time. So, uh, you know, songs that they're using between breaks, um, and you know, that is that is cool to see. You know, that deserves every bit as attention as things that Alabama does, or State does, or Ohio State does, or Wisconsin does. We all know jump around everywhere has something like that deserves a little bit of spotlight. So. I think that's that's really cool to see, and it'll be interesting to see if Duke can put together a number of more seasons, uh, whether that can change perceptions, particularly since, you know, recruits are a lot younger than we are, and, you know, their, their memory <laughs> short. So if you can put together, you know, a decade of success at Duke, that that could utterly change what Duke is. And Coach K's gone. And I'm not saying they're going to be terrible at basketball, but, like, the icon has stepped down. So, you know, they may even just be good, not the most elite, you know, ranks. And yeah, now's a perfect time if football wants to take some ground back. Let's all play the schedule game. So (laughs) you were saying about a team that may possibly go to the playoff. Notre Dame will face three undefeated teams in consecutive weeks. Last week, they played Ohio State and they lost by three. This week, they played Duke, who was undefeated. They won by seven. Next week, they are going to L&N Federal Credit Union Stadium in Louisville, Kentucky to play the University of Louisville Cardinal football team, who is also undefeated. Yeah. Under under legendary quarterback and now head coach, Coach Brom. And then after that, they're going to go and play undefeated University of Southern California Trojans who may be undefeated when they get there. That's an interesting and game then they're go- because oh, yeah. as bad as pass protection has looked for Notre Dame, USC <laughs> has been lacking on the defensive side. And so mm-hmm. that could be a little bit of help for Notre Dame because I think that's really where Notre Dame has a big deficiency that other very good teams should be able to take advantage of. So if there is a another very good team on the schedule that isn't good in that area, that helps Notre Dame a lot. I mean, what Stanford used to do to Oregon back in the day was show up, good defense, run the ball really well, and eat up clock. And I'm not saying it'll happen. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm just saying it could, and it would be funny. <laughs> Look, I, after that, they've got Pitt, Clemson, Wake, and then Stanford. If they win all of those games, and I, I personally 
think that Notre Dame has the capacity to do so, they would be 11 and one. And I think they would be a candidate for the playoff. I, that's, that's, that's one man's opinion. Take it or leave it. Uh, Notre Dame, you know, put your chin strap on. Um, we're going to move forward from there unless anyone has any further thoughts. We're going to go to the Big Ten. Illinois and Purdue played a football game. Jeff, I, I know you watched <laughs> it. You, if you want to talk about it, feel free. Woo, we kept what, the cannon. We kept the cannon. <laughs> Our paperweight-sized cannon. That is the uh, <laughs> Purdue cannon that is the traveling trophy between Purdue and Illinois. There used to be a larger cannon, and then it got lost, and they replaced it with uh, the tiny cannon that you can theoretically fire, but is like the size of it fits on. They got like a wooden pedestal for it thing that's like the size of a laptop. It's it's tiny and adorable, but we have it. It's ours. I love that we lost the large giant cannon, and but we can keep up with the little one. <laughs> How long ago did this happen? When did we <laughs> lose the giant <laughs> cannon? <double> check here. <laughs> How did you lose the cannon, Craig? Uh. Uh, we're oh gonna find gosh. it, folks. Don't worry. Uh, we're gonna find we, the cannon. We know we where it's are at. gonna find. The, come and take it. That's what somebody said. So we're gonna come and take the cannon. That's right. That is absolutely That's correct. What um, we're gonna find it. Also, I was unaware that at some point the ally and I were just playing at Soldier Field. I knew they played there for a little bit, but they played there for a while, which is just I don't see details of when they, they originally lost the cannon. But it came back in 1943 after an 11-year lapse. Okay, so they lost it, although the, the, they stopped playing. So I, yeah, uh, I'm that's... not sure exactly when, and I'm not sure history knows, um, exactly when the original canon was lost. There's a little bit of gap in there. So the, paper, so the paperweight is now going to be in West Lafayette, hey. so that's great. Um how do you feel about the game? Talk me through what your thoughts were. What are we What are we thinking here? So the defense was really the, the big improvement. And after the game and press conference, um, Ryan Walters did say that he changed. He switched over to calling the defense, which might be a huge part of that improvement. Um, but pressures and third down stops were really the big uh, change here. So the allowed third down success rate was twenty seven percent, which is a huge step forward from you know some of our previous games where Wisconsin had a string for the first half last week of every third down they reached they they had success so it was definitely a big improvement on that side we were also very successful on third down 59 percent uh third down success rate which is about 89th uh percentile or sorry 59 percent 89th percentile third down success rate Red zone success as well, 87th percent, or 87%, no, sorry, 67%, 90th percentile, excuse me, trying to read off here uh, my notes. So it was very successful on offense, pretty successful on defense, um, holding uh, Illinois. Hudson Card was kind of flush out of the pocket. He has a ton of mobility. He was able to use that pretty substantially. He also has a tendency to do some big eating um which worked out decently in this game although gave me uh, a few moments of heart fluttering but um we've seen that in past couple games kind of come in and hurt us i think we were just able to get a little bit more separation here against illinois so 
Um, that'll be something to watch. But we did have a decent amount of pretty long passing plays that were a big part of that success. Um, we also avoided turnovers. Only one in the game um, this week uh, against Illinois. Two, we were able to force a couple turnovers, including one for uh, that resulted in a recovery in the end zone. So big, big game on that side. And then as we uh, discussed in the cold open, uh, Dion Burks has the makings of being um, a really big part of the Purdue offense for the rest of the season, as well as for the next couple of years, he is a redshirt, redshirt sophomore. So, um, you know, I think we are kind of getting into a good groove here. We'll see again. Iowa's a very strong defense next week that we have to play. So we'll see how that can sustain. Um, but yeah, this was also Purdue's first game on Peacock putting us in the illustrious, uh, you know, territory that Arsenal and uh, Manchester United and all of your favorite Premier League teams operate in. Broadcast was... And Notre Dame. And Notre Dame football. <laughs> Broadcast was fine. Went off with it without a hitch. Just kind of very, uh, very standard. Um, but yeah. And y'all get it next I week. I think too. Peacock great. Peacock is uh, yes, correct. Is next week in Iowa City, so it's it. I think Peacock does a great job yeah. broadcasting. I, I love their broadcasts. I think they're up there. They're high quality. They're in 4K, and they have multiple camera angles, including the Sky Cam, which I talk about this. My father loves the Sky Cam. He thinks the whole game should be on. He really does. Like the whole game should be on Sky Cam. I don't know why they. Well, Dad, so that we can see the sides. No, no, no. <laughs> You just got all right. All right, you're you're the producer. You got it. There was an interesting um, thing if you watched the Toy Story yeah. broadcast this morning um, that Disney Plus did for uh, Jags and the Falcons that that actually created an all twenty two, um, which yes, this isn't intended to be a light kind of cartoony thing, but it's kind of interesting because it's especially compared to a traditional broadcast, you're actually able to see a little bit more of setup on the field. Now, obviously some of the motion looked a bit different. They had a lot of technical difficulties, but it's kind of an interesting thing of that being a way to kind of dissect the game and also being able to see in a little bit more of an abstract way, even though the presentation of that was actually kind of more meant to get kids that aren't as um, knowledgeable at football, help them learn you actually got to see a little bit more of the full field than you normally do, um, which kind of is interesting. And, and I'd be curious in that space if we see uh, a little bit more of those kinds of broadcasts that kind of strip out everything. But these are locations of players. I you used to have to pay for the all 22 from the NFL back in the day. So them giving it away on Disney Plus, quote, giving it away on Disney Plus. I, I think it's good. I. The NFL, I I think the NBA to a lesser extent and Major League Baseball to a greater extent, they're all struggling with a current generation of, of young people who are not as interested in sports. The National Hockey League is will have a separate conversation on why sports are not as big. <laughs> it's huge in Canada. It's not as big in America as with the younger demographic. But I think they're all staring down a barrel of there are much more interesting things to do during their anointed times. I love football. I watch it as much as I can. My children, if they have their iPads, they are not watching football Same. on their iPads. Yep. Yep. And so 
I think they're trying to come up with creative ways and good good for the NFL. I think the one thing they could do to make it better is to make the game safer. Yeah. But go ahead, Jeff. No, I mean, absolutely. I think that there are a lot of things both in the, I know a lot of kind of, I am 30 about to turn 31 to give you a, where my age is. I know my hosts, the co-hosts are um, not too far um older than me there as well <laughs> but kind of are getting into sports often is that is what a parent may have on so it's the thing you watch on the one screen you have access to and if you want to do something else you know maybe you're reading or doing something outside um but it might be on the background while you're you're reading or whatever um and even kind of in my lifetime tvs got cheaper where you could have multiple tvs in house so someone could just you know if you wanted to play video games instead you could play video games um it very much i think changes where you're very very at a young age able to choose for yourself and you're not having that forced yes. down your throat which i think there are a lot of really good societal things if we are more open to people having a variety of interests and in media options um but it does make a lot of the things that were so overbearing Congrats, NFL. You now have to compete with a lot of other options for entertainment. MLB feels like they're much more subtle this because they were able to say, hey, we're the one thing on television on in the summer. And, well, I can watch anything in the summer because of all the streaming, right? I don't have to watch a White Sox game just because yeah. it's the one thing that's that happens to be on cable because, you know, most shows shut down during the summer. So it's certainly a thing you have to be more creative and you, you also may have to just kind of accept hey we're not going to be the one overbearing force and we are okay with that we are going to figure out how to work with a more highly engaged fan base versus a larger more general fan base although i think there's going to be a lot of fear on that on that front and i think as well Blue, you mentioned the youth sports element. I think one big thing of getting you into a sport is playing it. I know that's one reason I'm kind of bigger into soccer than other sports is because that was the sport I played for the longest, the soccer, and then did band in high school, and band kind of forced me to watch a lot of football. So maybe the answer is just get every kid to play, to be in band, and they'll watch football. Um, but I think as you have more parents that are hesitant to have kids in football for the obvious reasons of of the safety of playing football and a lot of cultural things. Football is often out of step with the rest of society on you end up with a question of we need to change and adapt and how willing is the game to do that? Because that can bring in more people. If you potentially open it to both boys and girls, which is something football really hasn't been in the same way. And uh, the NFL is trying to um, create more yeah. youth, um, investment on the women's side because that can absolutely bring in a lot more people as players if you've got now half more of the population that is you know you give them the opportunity to play um and i think those are all places where you know you can look and focus on it's just i don't think the nfl's really had to ask itself in a couple of generations how do we sustain the game but you know what? You're absolutely I, right. I'm grateful. Go ahead, Josiah. I'm very grateful that the NFL at least ended racism. You know, that was 
They did. That was such. They put it all over the stadium. I, I was so thankful. Of all the things, like, and if the NFL fails down the road, at least they did that. Absolutely. You're, you're making a great point here. You never see these billion dollar, at one point in my lifetime, tax-free organizations go out of their way to do something like this. But, it's, you know, Roger, it's Roger Dodger, you did it. You're incredible. We did Roger. it. We did it, Joe. Mission accomplished banner behind me. <laughs> I want to talk about some quick notes here. We had basketball on grass, hey, LSU at the University of Mississippi. I thought it was a great game. And look, Lane is annoying, but he won his game. Yes, he did. So, Brian Kelly, I need you to figure it out. You've made LSU look like Notre Dame, a thing I never think would have happened. Um, Jeff, go ahead. Uh, I mean, you I mean say, I will, are you okay? I will say with uh, LSU and Notre Dame, LSU definitely is the better place to be on a Friday in Lent in terms of your seafood options. So, <laughs> ooh, that's true. No comment. Um, we're going to talk about this half of college football. Are you okay? Jeff, you wanted to talk about the University of Central Florida. I like to call them the Golden Knights and will continue to do so. What happened in their second Big 12 game? They were leading Baylor 35-7 and ended up losing, I think, 36-35. That is a massive uh, kind of dropping of the ball there. Guys, are are you particularly okay? I mean, I I think they were one of the teams that we were expecting to be a little bit better adapted going into the Big Twelve. Hold on, speak speak for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I think the Gus bus is breaking down, bud. Um, yeah, like I did not expect I did not expect them to go in and start I, dominating that. Conference. I didn't expect them to do this. Like I think, like to Jeff's point, that's. Like, it's not that I expected them to win, but Baylor's a little hapless this year. And when you have a 35-7 to 7 lead over a team that basically doesn't have an offense that lost to Texas State, I don't know. There's a part of me that's like, man, y'all could have just run the ball a lot and not burned up a lot of clock. Because Baylor scored like 26 points in the fourth quarter. And like, it is nuts. You sure did. Yeah, just nuts. But you know what? Well, you know, UCF has back to back. Welcome to the conference, baby weeks. Like you play K-State and get ground to a pulp and then you play Baylor and they have an offensive explosion. It's, you know, you, you want you guys, you guys asked for this. I'm I, I'm I'm glad y'all are here. But woo, this is uh, this is, uh, this is how it is. I'm going to read you some some plays here. Eight minutes, eight seconds left in the third quarter. Central Florida goes in, scores a touchdown. That's their final points of the game. They, they had 35-7 as the score. Three minutes, 20 seconds left. Baylor kicks a field goal, 10-35. 12 minutes, 38 seconds left. First and goal from the from the six-yard line. Touchdown, Blake Shapin gets a two-point conversion, 18-35. Nine minutes, 38 seconds left. First and goal, five-yard run. Blake Shapin then pass, gets another two-point conversion, 26-35. Scoop and score, 72-yard fumble return by Baylor, minus 10.33 EPA for Central Florida. Finally, fourth and two from the eight, goes in, 25-yard field goal, good game. I mean, look, you cannot, you cannot allow the opponent to score 26 unanswered points. You just can't do it. You will not win many football games that way. And this happened at home. Yeah, yeah. This didn't happen in this. This did not happen in Waco. This did not happen in a neutral site. This was in Orlando in the bounce house. And I commented on this, and I asked, 
isn't this the first big, isn't this the home opener? And everyone kept correcting me. This is the Big 12 home opener for Central Florida. And that stadium was empty. Look, Disney so, World is right down the street, man. I don't know what to tell you. Like, I hear you. <laughs> they talked. Listen, I, I'm not going to go on. I'm not going to rant about Central Florida. I think they have. They played an FCS. Well, with my beloved Norfolk State. At one point, they were both at FCS at the same time. They have come all the way up from FCS to Power 5, FBS football to the pinnacle. And if you pretend to be what you say you are, and I absolutely think that Central Florida is what they say they are, your stadium needs to be full in the first time you have a conference opponent in there. Go ahead, Jeff. Yeah, no, I mean, it's I know that they've got a, a big student and growing alumni base there. I think one of the largest schools in the country. Um at the moment, but yeah, it's well, I, yes, this is a challenging time of year to want to stand outside for three and a half hours in um, that humidity and heat. Um, sure. I was in a redacted central Florida location for uh, a redacted work reason this past week, and it was nasty at times. Uh, there's a mm-hmm. reason that I was running at seven in the morning versus what I like to typically do, which is at lunchtime or after work. Um, but that's, I mean, if that's the case, then you need to work on making sure your scheduling is at a more temperate time if that's the problem. Um, and I mean, I think if you live in Orlando, this is your football team. Like the Orlando sports teams that are Orlando's are UCF, um, Orlando City, uh, the Pride and the the magazines, right? Oh yeah, and yeah. Um, and so this is an opportunity to kind of showcase that and and you I mean, in their the American days, they were one of the more challenging home places to play. So mm-hmm. yeah. They have a beautiful stadium. They, this is listen, and, and I and I want Central Florida to listen to me because I they're gonna people will say I'm critical of Central Florida, and that, that is far from the truth. I'm looking at a team that when I was an undergrad was an FCS team. I'm looking at a team that rose through the ranks and has beaten the big in-state flagship school in a bowl game, has won a national championship in 2017, has won multiple big games that they had literally, according to everybody else, no business playing in. And when you have an opportunity to show the new conference that you're in, that we're serious and we mean business, you had 100,000 students in your school and they all didn't fill that stadium. And I think that's you guys have something's got to give here because you allowed a 50 percent success rate to a to a hapless Baylor offense. And I don't know what I, I don't know how you fix that. This is one where it's like, hey, Gus will drop a strange one. Well, buddy. And Oof. and this is a team they have history against playing. This is the when they won their Fiesta Bowl. It was against Baylor. This is and, who that, they beat. and that's where I'm like, man. You know, yeah, I almost look at the university and I'm like, are y'all selling this well to people? Like when A&M and Mississippi State first played, we had a big bowl game in the past that we played. They called it the Snow Bowl because it snowed and it was insane in like Louisiana. And and they made a big deal out of that matchup based on that history. And I was like, y'all couldn't do that for this. I, I don't know. Maybe they did and it just didn't work. But I mean, it, it, you know, yeah. Welcome to the Big 12. 
Central Florida, I need to see it. You you got to show it to me. We need to talk about clean old fashioned hey. heat. I know it has a better name now or whatever, <laughs> oh but gosh. I both teams look. I, we're gonna talk about UGA, and everyone is gonna be like, "Oh, they should do this," but they are undefeated. What I will say is that Auburn is a team that has a lot of work that needs to be done, and the only reason why UGA won this game is because of Brock Bowers. They were not doing anything on on defense to stop what is ostensibly a first-year offense just getting installed. And then on offense, they could not take a handle on this game. I don't know what to make of UGA, but guess what? They're going to play a small team in Lexington called Kentucky. And that team is well-coached. Uh, yeah. They run the ball well. Just ask Florida. And, I, man, I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and predict it, but I'm telling you, Georgia better put their chin straps on because that's going to be a tough game. As far as Georgia Tech, this is the second mid-major to put a beating on ostensibly a, quote, power five program. Sorry, Josiah. And like Bowling Green (laughs) went out there and just had no mercy for the Yellow Jackets. And look, bees, I want y'all to be good. I I study physics. I'm a nerd. I want the nerd schools to be good. I'm out here rooting for the Georgia Institute of Technology. It's hard to do that when y'all don't show up against (laughs) Bowling Green, who, again, no shade to Bowling Green because Bowling Green – they brought their raid and they went out there and, and, and fumigated all of the, 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 the yellow jacket nests. So don't know what was going to happen here. Uh, and we have to have a conversation about the Southern California defense, just letting Colorado stay in this game. I, I watched it. I watched it. Watched all 60 minutes of it. Alex Grinch, you you're next on that tribunal. That's coming for, for Al golden. Cause that defense is bad. I, bad. I, it's not th- Go ahead, I was gonna say, I'll like, get to I, it. Please, I, go ahead. I've watched him DC the the Sooners from a very short distance away, and I don't know how he has the jobs he still has. Like, I understand Ben don't break defense as much as anybody. Miss Oklahoma State has done that forever, and until we kind of switched up our offense, and then we're able to do a bit more of a stout. But like 2011 OSU, Ben don't break. You know, like up until basically um like a couple of years ago that was sort of the defense we ran we got caught, caught a lot of crap for it but i mean it can work if you do it right you know you give up a lot of yards but you don't let them have a lot of touchdowns essentially you may, you force them to take field goals i don't understand i just don't understand how grinch still has a job and and he had like a good year at wazoo with with leech and everyone assumes that that means he knows what he's doing but like I don't know, man. Like, what do you, why, why, man, he and Lincoln must just be really good buddies or something. Like, I don't understand this at all. And it's gonna, it's gonna continue to sink South, you know, USC's chances at things just like it did OU's when they'd show up to playoffs, score points, but down the stretch couldn't stop anybody. And when you can't stop anybody, you can't it's so hard to continue to win games because your your if your defense will never stop anyone, your offense will eventually get stopped a little. And that may be all it takes. Like Georgia came back against one of the best OU teams of all time and beat them pretty narrowly. And like, man, USC, like, I mean, where people keep saying they're so good, and I'm like, man, I don't know. I think Oregon and Washington are gonna kill them because nobody they can't stop anybody, and these are good offenses. I was like USC currently has the best offense in the country for S&P Plus and the 52nd uh, defense 
So it is a liability on a team that otherwise is very, very good. It's going to create mm-hmm. entertaining games. I mean, yeah, like I was say, you know, watching Colorado come back after being dominated and, and mm-hmm. granted Colorado is probably very well set up for if you're in a obvious passing situation, making hay out of that. But still, you know, they're going to produce entertaining games. However, this is something that happened last year where Utah was able to put them in a defensive bind and that allowed Utah to win. So, yeah, I don't, Alex Greens must just be a great hang or he knows <laughs> some information about Lincoln Riley that we don't. And uh, that's staying that way. I, you know. <laughs> It'll listen. It'll I, be I have fun to. watching Go them ahead, uh, enter the Big Ten, and and if the same uh, staff is present, because uh, well, entertaining games. If uh... USC versus Iowa, man, I need it today. I need it today. Oh I need to see Brian Ferens score forty five points because <laughs> USC refuses to stop him. Like I need this. I need oh it now. My gosh. Their defense is bad because everyone <laughs> keeps pointing to the tackling. The tackling is just indicative of a problem where mm-hmm. they are always out of position. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's – I don't personally know if it's the game planning or maybe they're just bad at reading in the moment, but they are consistently out of position. They are always confused on assignments on multiple plays. They they just let wide receivers get behind the safety. I don't know, but safeties are – you're literally not supposed to let anyone get behind you. And they are always unsure of what they are supposed to be doing. It's it, they're just always genuinely lost. And I found this out and God, Wikipedia is a national treasure. I think this is all because Alex Grinch is one of the great coaches of, of the era of the most, the most recent passing era. Uh, Gary Pinkle's nephew. Oh, oh my God. This is Gary Pinkle, the winningest coach in the history of Missouri. <laughs> this is his nephew. For whom he worked at one point. And and if you really want to put a fine point on this, and this is going to make a lot of people mad at me, that's fine. He was the roommate and and teammate of one Nick Saban when they were both playing for the Kent State Golden Flashes. That's Gary Payne. I I will say, like, one thing I know that Grinch tries to do, and you saw it when they got a ton of turnovers, he wants to create those. And he'll scheme to it, which is ultimately... Yes. And again, Oklahoma State used to do this. We used to be very good at creating turnovers. That 2011 team, tons of interceptions, forced fumbles like you wouldn't believe. It's a stupid way to make a living long term. You can do it for a year, maybe even two. But eventually, we even went away from it. Because we're like, yeah, this is sort of our identity. But ultimately, even running a bend don't break, you don't want to go for the interception and allow them to score instead. Cause that's a, the risk reward is dumb. Yeah. Last. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a high variance strategy. Last on this, Jeff. And if you are a yep. team that has the talent that you should be more consistent, if you plan to be more consistent, you yes. probably shouldn't do that. And USC is a place that should have that talent. If you are somewhere where should. you need to take the risks and you're willing to, to basically say, this is how we're going to get something, and we accept that we're mm-hmm. going to have a couple. May have a couple 
losses around, along the way, but this is how we put ourselves in position to get a big upset. Yep. You do it. They're, they're putting all that talent on offense. That's really what it is, and that's just how it goes. Um, Wazoo is on a bye, mm-hmm. so still undefeated. Oregon State just mm-hmm. took Utah to school. They, they just... <laughs> Look, Utah, I know you're good, but man, we didn't forget yeah. that Oregon State is a literal buzzsaw. Yeah. And you went headfirst into the Utah, it, so Utah. You're not undefeated anymore. Sorry. Um, yeah, they Utah, Utah. Uh, my Jayhawks did not pull off the upset. Uh, that being said, Jalen Daniels was injured, and I don't know how or why. So mm. I'm displeased with that. Yeah, he didn't play. It was some it was the backup, and I don't know what's <laughs> going on, and I want to know what's happening. Yep. Uh, Texas rival. beat their biggest challenge of the year. They sure did because they that's their biggest rival. They had they finally got over the hump, as Josiah would say. I mean, it's just wild. Uh, we're gonna do some dessert undefeated G5s. Um, I don't want to talk about that team, <laughs> from so we're gonna talk about Air Force. Um, hey, they've lost to Norfolk State in football before, so I don't know what everyone else's excuse is. I, they also I don't did not um, schedule any P5s, smoke and mirrors. Um, this, this past year, yeah, so thank you, the rest of the P5. For not scheduling them, good good job, guys. This year, um, but I will say the other uh, undefeated P fives are certainly more interesting. Let's talk about the uh, Air Force Academy in beautiful uh, Colorado. They have no P fives on their schedule, but I it's a it's a bit surprising. Mm-hmm. But they look really good. This is yeah. this is the team that everyone thought they were going to be last year. Mm-hmm. They were just a year early. I mean, look, Air Force is good. Listen, Navy is a fire, and Army is trying something different. They may win the Commander Chief Cup again. And I hope they do again. what they did last Let's year. Let's go, uh, Falcons. Post the video of them. I loved it. Was it last year where they had a video of what they were doing with the Commander in Chief trophy that they posted yeah. during yeah. the Army Navy game to be like, "Oh, that's a cute game y'all are playing. We already got it. Like <laughs> it, it in there. It's here." And I mean, I know it's petty. I know why the Armed Forces have their own little like scuffles, but ah, it's just gorgeous. I love that. I'll say, and they've it, been. It would have been great, great on defense. Yeah. Um, they the, have the one interesting one of the top <laughs> pass defenses. Who would have thought? I'll say the one interesting note with them is they they do not face mm. Fresno State in the regular season, which is also an interesting note for for Fresno nope. State. Those are the two best teams in the Mountain West, and this point look like the two best teams in um, the P five. They're rated thirty seventh and forty second in S and P plus. Um, Air Force, the, the higher ranked of the two. Air Force would be favored by about a field goal in a neutral field. Um, although Fresno is the one that has the uh, human polls in in their favor, which I think is partially just because Fresno has played two power five teams and beaten both. Um, and also One convincingly. One convincingly and the other uh, a pretty close one in West Lafayette. Um, so I, I will say, though, for the Mountain West, that Wyoming is coming up. And they're four and one. They look salty. UNLV. I don't know how good they are, but they're four and Great one point. as well. They, they're a lot better. They're yeah. Pretty like, another shout out to Gary. Good. <laughs> but I mean, like it's. Is he coaching? At Actually, UNLV? it's very. <laughs> now that I think about it. Uh, but oh, okay. Shout but out! Shout out to uh, formal University of Missouri head coaches. Yeah, it really is something. I want to move on to the other team, Fresno. They're looking great. Mm-hmm. Can't wait to see them play some more in conference, though, because they've done well against P5. And, hey, man, shout out to the Valley. This one is another surpriser out there in the fun belt, sun belt. Marshall. 
Thundering Herd. What are we doing out there, Jeff? What's happening? So they also also have a P5 win over Virginia Tech. Um, They also are playing NC State in Raleigh next week on the CW for anyone interested in watching uh, that. And they are, I'll say, a very good team. Charles Huff is a very good coach, and we saw that last year. They were a little bit up and down, but they beat Notre Dame um, along the way. So they they are capable in... um, big games but they they are kind of unlike Marshall teams of the past really making their hay on defense they're 27th uh, ranked S&P plus in in defense although not as great in offense so we'll we'll see how it goes but you know I that is another team that will be interesting to watch um, although the Sun Belt can be a little bit of a uh, buzzsaw as well as they're kind of in the same territory with a number of other conference uh, mates. So we'll we'll see how that goes, but they've got a chance to to build a pretty good resume for themselves. Shout out to Charles Huff, Hampton University alumni. Watched him play football when I was an undergrad. Love that guy. Hope he continues to have success. Wolfpack, you better mm-hmm. you better tighten up those pads for next week because if you think people <laughs> oh are gosh. mean to you now, mm-hmm. man. Lose to Marshall and see how mean they're going to be to you. Um, that being said, again, I, I'm sorry. I got to take a, take a side note on, on this one for North Carolina State. You went out there and said all that stuff about being blue collar <laughs> and all this other yeah, 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 buggers. You would see you got 12 HBCUs Ooh. in your state and haven't played one in a long time. So I'm not trying to hear that from you, North Carolina State. Just say that. You got an HBCU. Matter of fact, I've said this before. The last team in Raleigh to get 10 wins was Shaw University. Oh, boy, we are throwing – in the CIAA. Not <laughs> trying to hear shots. it from Carolina State. Get it together. I just have a problem. Hey, they, they look, you want to yell about the flagship being the ones that make the lawyers and the doctors and y'all at an ag school, but then you come out and say, we're the ones that are blue collar. Listen, my my grandmother, my mother's mother, Shaw alumni, baby. I mean, the bluest colors. I'm not trying to hear it. The bluest colors in the P5. Save, save all Duke. that. Tough so talk. what are you going to say? You know, those polos are blue. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> those polos are blue. They bleed blue. That's. <laughs> They're, they're I was going to say, um, NC State is, is where you get uh, your pharmaceutical industry uh, professionals and all the Red Hat Linux administrators out there. Um, so shout out, shout out to cream. the wonderful uh, employers of the Research Triangle down there. Hey, man, they, they are doing it out there in the Triangle. Um, So P5 undefeated versus undefeated matchup for next week. Listen, folks. It's Red River Rivalry, or as I'm a little bit older, Red River Shootout Week uh, going down at the Cotton Bowl, going to be played in the during the Texas State Fair. Uh, this is a big game uh, because Oklahoma has shown a propensity to play some defense this year. So I'm shocked that Brent Venables, D.C., is going to be really out there playing some defense. But they're going to have to to stop Texas, who's scoring a lot of points this year. I will say this. I watched Oklahoma play Iowa State. I don't know what I'm seeing on that very good defense because they are out of position a lot. And on multiple plays, Iowa State got behind the defense, especially on that first touchdown pass that knotted it up 7-7. Corner was beat off the line. Safety tried. Safety, to his credit, safety realized my man is beat and just couldn't get there on time. And it went for seven. uh, Excuse me, went for six. So something to keep on track of. And 
Iowa State had rushed for seven yards a carry in that game. I don't know if you know this. Texas is good at running the ball. So we may want to keep an eye on that. Um, we've got Maryland at Ohio State. Uh, Jeff has something here. Uh, I'm sorry, Terps. So September's over, guys. I, I'd, I'd is love September to Maryland see, a fraud? I'd love to see Maryland uh, get oh, the win so in funny. Columbus. Oh, that'd be but great. It's, Oh, it's in it's Columbus, in Columbus um, which I think works against Maryland's favor because they, they do have a very good team this year. I think they're, they're setting themselves up for a very good year. Unfortunately, getting Ohio State in Columbus is not ideal. And Ohio State is, is still Ohio State. They're still a very good team. So that is going to be potentially a a but rough I, one there. You want so, to see Ryan Day get fired um, on the field, though. <laughs> Lose to Maryland. Oh, my gosh. That would oh. be unbelievable. Oh, my God. <laughs> I would I would try and find... If that happens, I will find the Old Bay Vodka and buy it and try it. Um, Look out for that as a live stream, <laughs> folks. Um, Kentucky is heading to Athens. And listen, I think the Cats look great. Uh, Wildcat football is back in a big way. We got a Stoops out there, Mark in particular, coaching that team up. They're winning with defense. They're winning with offense. And I don't know, man. It, it, Florida was riding high and was brought back down to earth violently by the University of Kentucky. It if If Georgia does not put their helmets on and get ready for a hard-hitting game, I think the Cat – this is one I will I will dare on this one. I think the Cats can beat them, and I think they can beat them between the hedges because the Cats are solid, and Georgia has looked shaky. And, man, Mark Stoops is a good coach. They better hope that that they better they better hope that Kyler Perry doesn't run him out of town because Mark Stoops is a good coach. And if Iowa comes open in the next couple years, I'm not saying it. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying. I'm just saying. I'm not saying. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Let's be real honest. Let's look. Mark Stoops, keep doing what you're doing. Um, All right. We tell me about, about some CFL stuff here, uh, uh, Joe. Yeah. And why so Saskatchewan is trying time. to get in. And I thought I'd give the viewers, the viewers, the listeners, their viewers too. You're you're envisioning us in your heads. The readers. I've got to give the readers, right. the readers an update. And we are standing right now. We got five teams out of six locked in for the playoffs. Out in the west, you got yourself Winnipeg and British Columbia. Out in the east, that one's the most locked up. You got Toronto, Montreal, and Hamilton, the Tiger Cats, the Tie Cats. Now, you got three, we got four other teams hunting for that last spot. Saskatchewan is in the lead. They got six wins. The other three, Calgary, Edmonton, and Ottawa, have four wins. But but there are four four weeks left in the year, so it's it's still technically possible, and it would be really interesting to see how this could play out. Um, yeah, that, so we're 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 almost set. Um, my Winnipeg Blue Bombers did hand Toronto their second loss of the year, so that's good. It makes me feel better about our chances in the postseason. Um, but but yeah, th- this will be interesting to see how it, how it shakes out. If we're going to get you know a late run from Ottawa to steal that spot, do the whole like fourth team from the other division thing. Um, or if we're going to see the Rough Riders sneak their way in, uh, you know, got the breadbasket of uh, Canada does produce some winners. So, um, so yeah, we got it. It's not a tight race. It, it's, but it's a race, even down to the end here. 
You know, every time you do these, I'm going to start putting behind the, the, the audio track. I'm going to put the song <laughs> Take Off to the Great White North as you talk about Canadian football. I'm going to see if we can oh license gosh, that. It gets and put so that cold in Winnipeg. My brother lives there. He's like, today it's colder than it is on the surface of Mars. And I was just like, I mean, I'm sorry. He's like, he's trying to figure out a way to move to a different part of the country. So while I was in college, there was a point one of my wife's very good friends was doing a pharmacy rotation Mm. in Alaska. It was colder in West Lafayette than it was (laughs) in Alaska. Winnipeg, I know, is very similar where it's on open plains. And this is what you get. There's really nothing to moderate um, your temperatures and you get some really serious winds as well that make it even worse. So, you know, you can just tell your brother that uh, if he wants to, to enjoy just some warm weather, just go to Alaska. <laughs> Funny you say that. Uh, a fun fact about Alaska that people don't know about. Alaska has fjords. I've been in one. Absolutely beautiful. Lots of bald eagles. They are truly majestic. Although I was watching them eat uh, old <laughs> fish heads that were dumped out. Truly of the an American shop. bird. And... <laughs> True. It's 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 they. You know what? They were perfect. I know they wanted the turkey. I don't know if we're the the cheeks are the best part of the fish too. They sure are. And I will say this: parts of Alaska are actually classified as rainforest. So Alaska is so big. Yes, there's parts above the Arctic Circle, but there are other parts that are just it rains all the time. Um, Alaska is truly beautiful. It's when they talk about natural splendor, I didn't understand it until I saw it. And I was like, oh, this is what you meant. And it is it just it's awe inspiring and one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. So we're going to move on. Some final words here. Jeff, anything that you want to leave the people with as our head chef of production? I'll say uh, we've got some interesting things coming up. I'll potentially be going to a live uh, smaller school game. Next week, uh, details will be forthcoming, so look for that on on the socials as to where. Still trying to uh, figure that out. We'll see if see if we can get some some special access. So uh, that is in the uh, works for next week. So I will give uh, some live updates there. I know next week, uh, Blue, you are looking at FAMU at Southern. I sure am. So the reason why I'm doing this is because FAMU is mm-hmm. slowly taking hold of everything that's going on in the SWAC East. If they take Southern down, that's really going to set them up for success. And that might be kind of that might be all she wrote. Um, it also doesn't hurt. I, I think that game is in Tallahassee. Do I have that right? Or is it in Baton Rouge? Let me take a look here. So you've got it on this the sheet is is for. in Baton Rouge. So that game is in Baton Rouge, and I don't know if you all know this, but uh, a little peek behind the curtain, all of the teams in the SWAC look at FAMU as like, aw, you guys have a school there in Tallahassee. And FAMU, a very (laughs) proud school, hates that. I mean, absolutely. Like, they hate that because they don't like people looking down at them. So we'll see what goes on there. Both of those schools have law schools. They'll figure out how to make that work. Uh, Jeff, who are you watching next? So, as I mentioned earlier, I'm going to be trying to watch a, a smaller school locally. TBD is the oh, so, so you're looking. Okay. Josiah, where, uh, I where are you gonna, looking? I'm going to be watching Wyoming at Fresno State. I think that's going to tell us a lot about these two teams. Um, you know, Wyoming's super salty, scored points in one of my favorite ways, blocked a PAT, ran it back for two. Just a fun, like, 
thing. So, you know, we're, we're going to see what that is. We're going to see, you know, how do they stack up against a very good Fresno State. Um, kind of playing for the top of that conference in a certain way. If Wyoming manages to squeak out a win there or Fresno State does, you know, they're going to be kind of in the driver's seat, even though we mentioned there's Air Force and UNLV and stuff. But um, it's kind of nice to see. I like Boise, but it's fun to see enough of the conference really getting it going and, and, and making this more than just Boise and who else um, down the stretch. This is, this is, this is fun, uh, even though I, I feel for the Boise fans, but I, I'm, I'm loving this and, and yeah, get to see the, get to see these two rough around the edges, you know, farm schools fight each other. It's a good time. Amen. All of us are going to be watching Howard at Northwestern. The Howard Bison are on their way to Evanston uh, to actually show them what a real band looks like. Uh, Showtime is going to be there, and I'm super excited for it. Uh, we're also going to be monitoring Red River, everybody. Uh, I yep. I suspect we'll get a good game. And then Alabama is headed to uh, College Station. Not sure how that's going to go, but Jimbo gets paid a lot, so yay. Um, their morally dubious coaching yeah. staff is going to be tested by Alabama. Um, Josiah, as the head chef of social media, where can the people have uh, find us? Yeah, and what are some final thoughts? Threads, for Instagram, uh, Blue Sky, and and on Twitter, we're just you're gonna feed your mascot. It's everywhere that you want to be. Um, and you know, go Pokes, Hail State, and uh, go Beeves. I hear that. We'll see what goes on the rest of the season. <laughs> I'll say it for Jeff since he didn't get a chance to. Boiler up and Indiana word. Those two teams are going to play each other at some point this season. Don't know who's going to win. Um, I just want to tell everybody, look, the season's in full swing. We're almost at a halfway point. There's never too late a time to sit down and pick a game you want to watch. Find a game next week that's going to be something you want to get your eyes on. Enjoy it. Live in the moment. I understand we're looking to the future and a different world, but right now, the Pac-12 is dominating everywhere you look. So even though they're going away, it might be time to still keep an eye on them. Go ahead, Jeff. It is also the first week of, yeah. of Maction and Cusa having some midweek games. So the only day this week without um, pointy football is Tuesday. Yeah, the Oblate Spheroid is going to be on the move. One of the cool things about that is if you actually calculate its moment of inertia, you can actually understand why footballs don't bounce the same way, like a, <laughs> like a baseball, a basketball, or some other shaped, a spherical-shaped object does. Uh, so it's really cool when you actually sit down and say, oh, that's why that ball bounced that way. Huh. Why did they do that? Probably because they wanted to make it easier to throw through the air. That's the actual reason. They yep. wanted to make it easier to throw. Uh, and so by making it shape the way it is, if you rotate it, it'll cut through the wind, no matter how stiff the wind is. Same reason why rifles, the bullets rotate is they cut through the air. That's all there is to it. Uh, and so better living through physics, folks. And so with all that, we are excited for you. Come watch and enjoy football with us. And don't forget to feed your basketball.